0: Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. As usual, I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and I'm here with Michael. Hey, guys. And Jason.
1: Hey, what's going on?
0: What's up, guys? How you doing? Pretty good, man. Doing good, Dustin. About yourself.
1: Pretty good. Excellent. Have you watched any fun movies? Anything fun to talk about? I
0: have. I have. Who would like to start us off? Not me.
1: Dustin, why don't you start us off? <laughs> Yikes. Why are we even doing this podcast? <laughs> like, I don't really want to
2: talk about movies anymore.
1: <laughs> well. No, I've got a, I'm have got. happy about mine, but I just don't want to go first.
0: I've got a good one and a, a mediocre one.
1: Okay. Oh, two. I'm cheating. I'm doing it. So cheat. I've
0: still been on that J-horror kick. Of course. I chain off all the uh, pink foam watching. <laughs> I've been trying to cleanse my palate still. Uh-huh. So uh, I decided to check out Hell Girl, directed by Koji Shiraishi from 2019. Oh, live action or... Uh... Uh, it's a live action okay. adaptation of an anime.
2: Okay, cool. cool.
0: Um, the premise of Hell Girl is really simple. It's had like three or four seasons. It's pretty long running. But uh, it, generally, it's like an anthology kind of show. And someone will be bullied or offended by someone else somehow. And there's this website you can go to and contact Hell Girl. And you can make a contract with her such that she will punish the person and send them to hell for what they've done. Whoa. But in exchange, whenever you die, you will also go to hell.
1: Nice. That sounds pretty cool.
0: And so every episode is kind of, you know, someone's been wronged somehow. They discover the website. They summon Hell Girl. And it gets into the drama of, like, was it worth it to do that? Mm. It's a little heavier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's, it's very grim, very serious. And the movie is just sort of like an episode blown up and done live action. Is she red? Is she red? Mm-hmm. Is like, she, like, like, a, like her brother, Hellboy? Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. Um, <laughs> the the actual Hell Girl character is played by Tina Tamashiro. She's a newer actress. Um, she was in Sadako versus Kayako. the am sorry. The movie. <laughs> she was very good in it, even though that film's kind of kind of sloppy. But um, it also had a Kaji who's a guy I really like. He's in some of uh, Sonos films. Hmm. You oh. would know him, Jason. He's the ball detective in Suicide Club. Oh yeah, he's fun. I like yeah, that. he's a good actor. Yeah. That's uh,
2: how many minutes are
0: we in? Like three minutes in, <laughs> and you get to take a shot. <laughs> um. But I like Shiraishi, he's a good director, he's done like Noroi the Curse, he's done a bunch of found footage things. Oh, that guy, okay. Uh, Occult, Shirome, um, he's a really fun director, so he was a good fit for this, I think. So is it a good movie? Should we watch it? I enjoyed it, yeah, and if you don't know the show at all, it's a good come like introduction, because they really go over and kind of lay the groundwork of everything. So you cool. could approach it as a newcomer and be just fine. Nice. Where'd you get it? Or did you have the blue? Uh, it doesn't actually have a release right now yet. So, well, how are we supposed oh. to watch it? Mm. So, I probably shouldn't have mentioned that. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I have my means to watch things. <laughs>
1: mm. <laughs> but did, listen, did you send it's... a message to Hill Girl and she sent you the movie? I would have if I had needed to. <laughs> Are you going to yes. go to hell for that? Is it worth it to go to hell for that?
0: <laughs> if hands burst up during recording and take me, you'll know. Holy shit. Um, but if this gets any kind of Western release, I don't know if it'll be streaming or home media or what. I was hoping maybe since it's based on an anime, some of the anime companies over here tend to license that stuff for release. Mm, yeah, and it's still pretty new, so maybe there's a chance, but it's definitely one worth seeking out when it gets out there.
1: Cool. That's something I miss about the early 2000s. Anything Japanese was getting released. Yeah, it's just automatically they someone
0: you know Tartan Asian Extreme Tokyo right. Shock. I miss all that. It was great. Yeah. What
1: happened? Did they just go? The fad faded. Um, okay, they just went defunct. They stopped doing the Japanese remakes, so then they're like, "Well, why should we release these Japanese films?" Because and I hate it,
0: over. dude. It's you got to struggle to find stuff now. Yeah.
1: It's bull crap.
0: We should just get a friend in Japan. I wish. Well, and then like, hey, can you send us stuff?
1: If any of you are listening in Japan, be our friend.
0: <laughs> Write us. <laughs> GenreExposure at gmail.com. Hit us on the socials. Send us movies. Tell us stuff to watch. Yeah, that'd be please. would be awesome. Jason. Yes. What did you watch?
1: Okay. One of my favorite directors is Stuart Gordon. Yeah. Love him. And this is one I just did not watch in the day, and I don't know Why? Uh, robot Jocks. Oh my god, oh, I love Robot Jocks. 1989. Yes. Have you ever seen it, Michael?
2: Um no. Is it similar to the um oh Matheson story?
1: No, you're thinking mm-hmm. of uh Like um, Real Steel. Yeah. That's okay. What you're
2: I didn't of. know if it was like a previous version of that or something. No, it is not.
1: Although I can see why you would think so because of the name.
2: Well, I like robots. I don't like jocks, it's, but I <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> like robots. It's
1: big stompy robots. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's basically it's set in the future And a war is outlawed, but um, countries decide who owns what territory through matches with giant robots.
2: I I could totally get behind this. Yeah, and of course
1: it's low budget. It's a frickin' Charles Band movie, you know. (laughs) Uh, So the budget couldn't pay for catering for, you know, a James Cameron movie. (laughs) <laughs> um, but it's got a lot of heart and a lot of ingenuity some great stop motion effects I was going to ask Hell how yeah. did they
2: do the effects was it yeah. stop motion and the
1: plot's actually pretty decent it's uh, Jeffrey Combs as a minor cameo I wish he had a bigger role that's the only problem with it but the star um, is Gary Graham and he's done a few things I mean, if there's any other Star Trek nerds out there you will know him as uh, the Ambassador Soval from Enterprise Nice. It's pretty memorable in that one. That's the one I haven't watched. Oh, you should watch Enterprise. It's. it's I fun. mean, it, it, yeah, it, it's good. I mean, there's. It's a Star Trek. There's always.
2: It's the intro,
1: man. The, <laughs> the intro gets me. The intro sucks. Just we're mute going it. to space. <laughs> yeah, we're going to space. I'm pretty sure you can skip that intro if you're streaming yeah, it. it so. That's not their <laughs> finest choice, but it is a good show. Yeah. We're going it's- to space. Uh, so yeah, Robot Jocks is great. I recommend it. If you didn't see it, or if it's been a while, check it out again. It's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. Nice. And yes, Michael, it's free. On <laughs> Thank Amazon you. Prime. Thank you for finally. Uh, how many episodes are we in now? <laughs> uh, seven, six, six, seven. Seven. Yes, six, Thank seven. you for
2: finally telling me if it's if I have to pay money for it outside of the
0: money I've already <laughs> given to outside Amazon. of the initial
1: investment. No,
0: it's important. I need to know. <laughs> so there's actually another film, and I don't know if it's actually a true sequel or more just inspired by but it's called Robot
1: Wars. Yeah, I think that's kind of an inspired by. That and Crash and Burn. Yeah, and Robot Wars I know has a cool like scorpion mech. Yeah. It's really awesome looking. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's good. It's it's worth watching. Yeah, I would
0: watch that. I love Stuart Gordon. Yeah, Stuart oh, Gordon's awesome. He's great. Yeah.
1: One of the best. So Michael. My that, turn. That brings us to you. Yes.
2: I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to do two. All right, sure. I'm going to start with... One that was a little surprising, that I wasn't fully expecting um, to be as good as it was. So this was one that, for some reason, <laughs> I got targeted on a Facebook ad about this movie. <laughs> I don't know, man. My algorithm's all messed up, and I, <laughs> I get targeted on everything. Um, but this was a 2020 movie that came out directed by uh, Jaron Louder, and it's called Stay Out of the Fucking Attic.
1: Okay. Mm. Um, it's on Shudder, right? It's Shutter, Yeah, yeah Shudder exclusive. I
2: think they're the ones who picked up the streaming rights. Uh, story revolves around these ex-cons who are now trying to clean up their lives and are um, running a moving company. And they get a job to uh, move this guy out of an old house. Uh, he's a kind of a creepy old German guy. And he wa- tells them that he'll give them three times their going rate plus another $1,000 if they will work through the night and move everything out the same night. And that's wow. your first
1: red flag right there. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and that kind of plays into the movie, you know, they're like, I'm not comfortable with this. Well, it turns out that the dude is a Nazi um survivor and Yikes. running uh, <laughs> I hate it when that happens. I <laughs> you know. in today's day day and age it's more <laughs> it's a little more common <laughs> to run into. Um hmm. but yeah, there's um it's pretty low budget. It's I I this probably wouldn't win any awards. Um but the acting is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the characters actually have charisma. I really l- like to watch them on screen. Hmm. Um, the acting is pretty good. The special effects are fun. Um, there's kind of some cool monsters that are made there. Some kind of cheap tricks that are done through the camera. So does it kind of go supernatural as it gets into it? or A little bit, yes. Yes, but n- never outside of that kind of whole Wolfenstein type thing okay. of like... I can dig that. It's never like, oh, we're bringing in spirits or anything. It's Mm. more just like, let's push the boundaries of science and do horrible things to people to try to figure out what we can do. Um, It's actually pretty good. So Mm -hmm. I would recommend it. It's short, too. I think it's like an hour and a half or something like that. So not a whole a lot normal
1: of, standard movie length. It's, yes, it's not two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah, I mean that's
2: <laughs> fine. But if this movie were two hours and, and twenty minutes, I would be like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we really need to wrap. This. I know you didn't have the budget for this much film, so we need to wrap <laughs> this up. But yeah, it's worth checking out. Um, my okay. second one that's kind of mediocre, and I was really bummed that this was kind of mediocre. And maybe you'll disagree with me, um, but I watched Train to Busan. Uh, Peninsula.
1: Mm. Mm. Well, I haven't seen Peninsula yet. Me either. Okay.
2: So I'm going to be light on spoilers on this one. It's super new, right? just came out. Yeah, literally. I think this week or Mm. something, I just happened to be flipping through Shutter and saw it came out, and I was like, oh, cool. I've been wanting to watch this. Um, This was slated for a big release in 2020 but didn't happen. This was supposed to be kind of like the big, let's bring the train to Busan stuff to the States mm-hmm. and make this a wider Hollywood release. Well, they gave it the budget for that, hmm. for sure. Um, this movie feels like Land of the Dead.
0: Like, I, like, I like Land of the Dead. I do too.
1: <laughs> I, like, I like aspects of that. I like most of Land of the
0: Dead. Jason, sure. didn't you ever want to know what it was like to be one of them?
1: <laughs> no. No. <laughs>
0: I, I like Land of the Dead, um,
2: but this was very, very much not the Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. Train to Busan, I felt, had a whole lot of heart, a lot of... Um, it's very focused on the characters and kind yeah. of the drama. And this tried to be, but also shoving in a lot more action. Mm-hmm. So it's
0: the like Land of the Dead, they go big with it.
2: Exactly. They do go very big. Mm-hmm. Now, they probably for budgetary reasons and set reasons, they do a lot of CG, mm-hmm. but... I will say this, man. Whoever they got to play some of the... I'm not going to call them zombies. They're infected. They're not zombies to me. Right. But whoever they got to do them did some amazing contortionist work. Like, Like, that's one of... Like, for real? Yeah, I think so. Like, these did not look done post or with wires. These looked, like, almost like they got breakdancers to do some of this crazy, like, leg-bending shit to, like you know when they become infected their like legs will bend and they will pop up yeah and it looks real enough that i don't think it that looks very much like something someone could do if they knew what they were doing like an acrobatics person or something like that that's cool so those are super cool the makeup's always awesome in those but Mm. overall i'm gonna say it was just kind of on the mediocre level that's too bad i'm not upset that i watched it at all and i think you should check it out if you liked train to busan because there's a lot to like in this movie
1: Aren't they still trying to do a remake of Train to Busan, an American version? I, I hope would, not. I thought I read that somewhere. I had read
0: that as well too, Ugh. but ah, yeah, just give it a theatrical lease here. I mean, yeah,
1: it's okay. People can read. It's not. <laughs> it's not that hard.
2: But this, uh, you do not have to see Train to Busan to see this. Mm. It's not connected. So
0: same universe, but no connection.
2: Yeah, this is basically set like four years after the um, kind of like
1: Dawn of the Dead with Life Yeah of the Living
0: Dead. Yeah, like it's you don't have to see the first one.
2: I recommend that you do, um, but it's not. It, the only thing really is just that it's set in that
0: universe. Hmm. Cool. So,
2: well, too bad yeah, it like wasn't better.
0: Korea's been on a little renaissance of like zombie films. Yeah, and some of them are pretty cool. I really want to check out the one. I think it's like hashtag alive. I haven't seen that. It's before. sort of a found footage one. I think it's on Netflix, and I'm it's like a right, yeah. it's like a guy who's like a YouTube like gaming streamer person, and during one of his live streams, a zombie outbreak starts, and he gets kind of trapped in his apartment complex. Well, that's a fun setting. Yeah, that's a kind fun of device. Yeah, hmm. cool. I could see that happening. Okay, cool. All right, well, should we get into it? I guess so. Let's do it.
2: All right, well, this is my week.
1: Sure is. And what are we talking
2: about? So I went for 2016, A Dark Song. So this was a movie that uh, Jason recommended to me probably like, um, what did you say, like two years ago?
1: Yeah, two or three years ago.
2: Mm-hmm. and i it was streaming on netflix at the time right. you had seen it um so i
1: know of your renowned cheapness
2: <laughs> <laughs> we were literally just talking about this before we started the podcast that i was going to rent a movie online and it was like 6.99 i was like 6.99 come on i'm not going to invest that much
0: money in this so did you just like start sweating when disney rolled out like the $20 movie rentals <laughs> Well, the only one I've seen is actually Mulan, and, and Jason and his wife rented it, and I came over
2: and watched it, so I didn't have to pay for it. Uh-huh. But as much as I want to see Raya, uh, their new one, mm-hmm. I, I'm just gonna wait till June. I already paid Disney yeah, Plus. Wait like a month or two. I'm <laughs> gonna wait till June. It's not that big a deal, right? Uh, yeah. Anyway, back on track. Um, Jason recommended this movie to me. He knows, and like you, if you've listened to our introductory episode, you know that I really like um, kind of. A24 studio type films that tend to be slow burns, dark, um, kind of emotional, mm-hmm.
0: hurting type movies. Yeah, people are calling them like art house horror, elevated horror. That you kind of called thing. it elevated horror, right? People online call it that. You told me before we started this <laughs> that you had a better definition <laughs> yeah, of elevated we've horror. Yeah, because we have talked about this before, so I thought like real quick we should go over that. Um, this is kind of the definition that people attach to that, and it's horror movies that don't rely heavily on jump scares or gore but are so emotionally or psychologically disturbing that they traumatize even the most seasoned horror buffs. Many such films also tend to contain some kind of allegorical meaning to their plot. Okay, well, that's pretty much, you've just described a dark song. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. You're, al-
1: you're also describing a well-written movie. Yeah. Right, period. Um, that's what well-written movies do. They have subtext. They, they have meaning. Yes. You know?
0: And it really, this kind of kicked off as a thing, I think, with, like, Hereditary and the Witch. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a polarizing thing. There's people that really love them, there's people that really hate them. So even saying like that idea of like elevated horror, it's like a double edged thing to that where it's like for some people that's like, yes, it's elevated. But then to other people it's like, oh, you know, snooty <laughs> elevated horror.
2: And that term almost frustrates me because I don't view that I don't view these movies as elevated at all. No. I think they're good and I think they fit in their
0: genre. They're doing the same thing that any other horror film does. They're just taking a different path to get there, I think.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, everyone has a space for your slasher. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone has a space for a zombie movie. And if you're trying to tell me that Dawn of the Dead doesn't, like, do some crazy commentary on social things, they just do it in a different way. Absolutely. So, yeah, a dark song. So it is directed by Liam Gavin. Um, I think this is Gavin's first big thing that he'd ever done. He's done some, like, short films, too. Yeah, some short films. This is his first feature. Uh, So our basic premise of the film is that our main character, and I'm I'm so bad at names, Um, our main character, Sophia. Played uh, by Catherine Walker. All we know about her character is that her son has died. Somehow. Uh, We don't know how yet. Um, Her son has died, and she has found... Um, a person who is Joseph Solomon, played by Steve Oram, who can apparently perform these magic rituals with her that would allow her to speak to her guardian angel. And when once you speak to your guardian angel, you can ask them one favor. And these are supposed to be extremely grueling. We don't know yet the the extent of the rituals, but. These are supposed to be extremely grueling rituals that are going to put you through mental, physical, emotional anguish. And you just hope it works. Mm -hmm. You don't have a guarantee. Um, So we know that she's going to give this man lots and lots of money.
0: Um, She has already secured uh, the house that they need to do this in. Because from the start of the film, Out of the Gate, she believes in this wholeheartedly. Oh, absolutely. That's something that struck me right away.
1: She's obviously a practitioner of some degree. Of, I, of magic. I don't That's know. The impression I, I got. think
0: it's in her grief. She's kind of descended into this. That's world. what I think? think. Is that your impression? That's hmm. what I think. Okay.
2: I, well. I want to think that she's a practitioner of some sort, but I also think that grief can, when you're struggling so much with something that you just can't, for whatever reason you can't break through, you're just to the point where you're like, I'll do anything. That's the classic like Faustian bargain. Yeah. I will do absolutely anything to get
1: this. Okay. I see that interpretation.
2: I mean, you were wrong, so it's fine.
0: <laughs> that you're... Well, what was, well, how did you take it, Jason? <laughs> wow. Uh, what did
1: you think? Like, what was your impression at the start? Um, that she had some knowledge. Whether or not it was... Is it okay to skip ahead a little?
2: Yeah, we because yeah, okay. we can come back around.
1: Well, eventually you find out that her son was murdered right. by a cultist performing a ritual. Right. I, mean,
0: I have a lot I, of thoughts about that, too, but we'll... My we'll impression was later. that
1: she, she was herself a practitioner. Maybe these were people that she knew... And you know, they took her son and and did their ritual with him and then she's wanting to summon her guardian angel for this reason. I I, I got the impression she was already a practitioner.
0: Okay. Hmm. I can see that. Oh well.
1: But also the the idea that grief drove her to this extreme is also interesting. You're less wrong now than you were before. But how how would she know it was part of a ritual? I mean, I guess perhaps if they found like his body in some amongst arcane writing and things like that, maybe, okay. Exactly. I feel
2: that that was probably something that was once they, once the police found the body and everything, that's probably something that the police jumped to, mm-hmm. you know, to try to describe. But we don't get that in the film. I, I
1: like that we don't get that. Yeah, absolutely. A very minimal backstory. We
2: don't know that at all until almost halfway through the film. Right. Um, because the reason that she tells... Um, him that she wants to do this ritual is that she says um, she loves someone that doesn't love her back i think mm-hmm. right is
1: what she said what she doesn't think is a good enough reason
2: no 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 <laughs>
0: um and some contextual stuff for that too he is like her last line of trying to get this thing to happen she's contacted several other people and they've already turned her away
2: right it seems like she's worked through kind of the the normal type of people that you'd find in mm-hmm. the, the magic, the occult. Yeah, the occult underworld, as yeah. it were. And this guy, Joseph Solomon, he's kind of a schlub. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Liam Gavin talked about him in casting, that he really wanted him for this role. And he said that his idea is, he said, and I don't think we get this so much as American audience, but he said he really wanted a train spotter. Mm. Like, that's what he wanted. He wanted this guy... <laughs> That just felt like your average dude that you could walk into a pub anywhere in England. And this guy would be sitting there. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he's, when we first see him, he's in like a track suit. <laughs> you know? and yeah. <laughs> He's
1: not da- dashing. He's not handsome. And you that know, was he, apparently
2: he, he, um, not what the studio wanted at well, all. Of course they wouldn't. <laughs> they wanted somebody to be like a Jason Momoa type.
1: Yeah, what? I know, no. like,
2: uh, they, that's what they really want. And he's like, no, 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 this doesn't, Yeah, we don't need a spiritual warrior here. We need a guy that... Jason
1: Momoa doesn't need sorcery. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> no, no. you just get an ax out. Yeah, Dude's yeah. always got an ax for some reason. Um, uh, so yeah, that's where
2: we start off. She meets, uh, Solomon and basically is telling him she's secured the house. She has his money. She's willing to do this ritual. And he tells her, you know what's gonna happen. Like Mm -hmm. you know this is gonna be bad. They literally take off to go start looking for the house and he starts asking her about you know, why she's doing it, and that's when she says, I've I I love someone that doesn't love me back and he's like, Fucking take me back. Mm -hmm. You know, like this Mm -hmm. isn't reason
0: enough to go through this. Right. What you you have no idea what you're about to go through. Because what he says what matters is her intentions, what she's wanting to get out of it. Which I think, which
2: you'll probably talk about in a little while, but that's one of the key elements to, um, like, magic, mysticism, mm-hmm. yes. spiritualism is your intent. Mm-hmm. What is your intention for doing something? Because if you have the wrong intention, you're not going to get the right results. results. Yeah. So he knows what he's going to have to do physically, spiritually, and emotionally to do this for her. But he's also going to get a favor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, But then she kind of has to open up a little bit more and say you know i forget what she
0: tells him like her next reason uh it, she does bring up the son right i think and she says right. that she wants uh vengeance vengeance something. yeah she wants vengeance but we still don't know that this is a group of occultists yeah we just know that her son was killed and she wants vengeance on the killer and she didn't want to say that because that seems like a selfish desire
2: right but once she openly admits it joseph solomon has no problem with mm-hmm. that he's like okay well, at least you're being honest, because that's what it's going to take to do this. Hmm. So no, I the- love the
1: way that he, uh, Steve Oren plays him, too. It's like, because he's quizzing her on what kind of rituals she's already observed and, and, and read about. Yes, it's almost like a job interview or something. Right, and it, it's also like, a, like an alpha nerd. <laughs> who, who, who. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. He yes. wants yeah. to know your credentials. Like he's the type of guy that wouldn't speak to you if you couldn't name every actor who played Doctor Who yeah. in chronological order. Right you're, right, you're not worthy to be in his company if you don't know these. <laughs> he things. really
2: comes off as a total asshole for oh, this yeah. oh, entire yeah. film, and he's supposed to. Um, I think there's. I. I don't think that's true. I don't think he is a total asshole. And we'll get into that as we go, but but yeah, he's. I mean, Young, yeah. this is not yeah. a dude. Even watching him eat pissed me off. <laughs> you know, they go to a diner or a pub or something like right before they go to the house to start really yeah. preparing for the ritual, and it's just the way he eats. He's eating French fries with a fork and
0: a knife, <laughs> and chips. They're chips over there. Yeah. Well, okay. Chips. He's eating <laughs> chips. Which we're in Ireland, right? I believe the film set in Ireland. It's
1: the actual house. It's I think it's in Wales. Yeah, it's in it's Wales, but
2: be. yeah, I, it feels. No, that she does mention Wales. I think she mm-hmm. does say something about it being in Wales. Yeah. But it feels like any typical um, United Kingdom countryside. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very remote, so it feels like it could be that. Uh, but yeah, even watching this dude eat really frustrates me. It's a very arrogant eating, yes, <laughs> if yes. that's possible, like to eat something <laughs> arrogantly. Um, but he always gives this air of... I know what I'm doing. You're at my mercy. And if you want to do this, you're going to do absolutely everything I say, when I say it, how I say it, and you're Mm -hmm. going to keep your mouth shut about it. So as we go along, they finally make it to the house. Their opening scene of the film is, um, she's walking through the house asking like, which direction does this house face? Or which Mm -hmm. direction does this room face? Because even the location
0: and the layout matters.
2: Right, exactly. Everything is extremely detail oriented. Um she we know something's gonna go down because she basically tells the guy, the realtor that's uh, renting her the house that you know she gives him like a stack of cash just to keep the paperwork out of it. Yeah. you know yeah. She's like, well, I'm gonna need it for a whole year. Here's all of the money for the year and then here's <laughs> extra money so that you don't tell anybody that I'm here mm-hmm. So that's already how we're setting up the film. Um, I think some interesting things to talk about as we first start though is how this film is shot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of these really beautiful but haunting um, rolling countryside shots. I loved all the wide countryside shots. You see the clouds rolling through. They look very separated. They almost look hyper-realistic, you know, or like almost surrealistic, I guess is probably the proper Mm -hmm. word, Mm -hmm. of these shots. And I think that really sets the tone.
1: Yeah, it's very painterly type compositions. Yeah,
2: everything
0: feels already like you are a little bit otherworldly. Yes, yes. And, you know, a testament to how good this film looks, it was apparently only shot in 20 days. Oh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I, I But everything I've seen of
2: Wales is beautiful anyway, so it's probably not hard. You just, like, kind of point the camera, <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, this is really beautiful. It's just it's easy work. But the, the way that the tone is being set up for the film, just with these opening shots, already tells you, like, okay, this is kind of dark.
0: Yeah,
1: because he tells her, like, if you want to get out now, go for a walk, because once we... Start the ceremony, the house has to be sealed, Mm -hmm. and you're not leaving. Yeah, you can't leave. This is going to take months to perform this ritual.
2: He even tells her, like, right before um, she's going into town to get supplies. Mm -hmm. He gives her a list. And uh, he even says, like, you need to get enough for eight months. And you're Mm -hmm. like, holy shit, you're going to be locked in this house for eight months. And I
0: love how long they spend, like, setting up and prepping the house and showing it to you, because it almost makes it like it is another character in this film.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I really felt that, too, that you... Because this film doesn't have a lot of characters in it. Right, it's just the two of them in the house for
1: most of it. It's basically a play, which is awesome.
2: We get a couple side characters here and there that relate
0: to our main characters, but yeah, for the most part, this is a two-person film. But there is a significant thing that does happen when she goes to get the supplies. Right, she runs into her sister, Mm
2: -hmm. which is super weird because... I
0: mean, I get why they do this. Her and her
2: sister's interaction are so disjointed Mm -hmm. that you don't realize it's her sister, you know, like until she says something that tells you that she's her sister, but yeah. I think it's because who Sophia is now isn't who it's not who she right. was. It's like she stepped into a different world mm-hmm. she's after the grief
0: and the loss that she's experienced. it's changed her like and she's you, not Sophia anymore, yeah. and you get some neat tidbits there. you learn that for some time she was being like treated for mental health
2: right right which are seem to be which are very important
0: to what is going to happen Mm -hmm. to her that she may not be as mentally stable Mm. and it's a good seed that they set up that way and you just kind of get it in passing but you don't learn the extent of what she was going through what kind of treatment it was any of that yeah they just like plant that seed in your mind going forward and I think it's very easy for um, people to relate
2: to Sophia I think she's a very relatable character because I think most all of us have experienced some form of grief Mm -hmm. that's we all work through in our own ways, whatever that is. Some may be more healthy than others, but I think that the point of this movie is to tell you that it doesn't really matter how you work <laughs> through your grief, as long as you, as long as you get what you
1: need from it. Mm-hmm. Um, which any, which step of the grieving process is turning to black magic? Uh, that's is like it? step two. Oh for, wow, for me, oh, for okay. me, okay. yes, right. that's I,
0: the uh, bargaining portion, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I go with the initial
2: loss, and then I'm straight up like you know, throwing blood on a floor and <laughs> <laughs> I'm scribing runes in the floor. That's wow. where I go right after that. That's
0: but yeah, extreme. man, like everyone's had something where it's like they, at least for a time you think I would give anything to change this and make right. a difference somehow. Or so that's easy, easy, relatable inroad. One of my big ones in life is I would give anything to talk to that
2: person again, mm-hmm. you know, like just to say something, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and you sometimes have to ask yourself if the possibility were there for you, That you truly believed that you could, but it was going to cost you something to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, would you try? And I think that's kind of what this movie is really setting up. Mm -hmm. Is how far would you go? Yeah. And how important is this to you? And I can't imagine losing a child. Yeah. You know, like how far would I go to
1: heal that? And you realize pretty quickly how far she does have to go once they start the ritual because it is long. It is involved. And you know what? Let me correct
0: us because I just had a revelation in my mind as we're talking through this. Isn't it at first she wants to speak to her son? Isn't that the first part? And then later it becomes the revenge thing. Yes. Yes. Because something happens with the ritual that Mm -hmm. he claims that it's her fault.
1: Yep. So, and tellingly, she doesn't want to perform the um, forgiveness ritual portion right, right. of the ceremony. Right, exactly. Which means she has to go through these even more excruciating trials and ordeals just to perform the ceremony. Right. So right. As,
2: as they get to the house and they do all the preparations for the house and they seal it with salt. Like the entire house is yep. surrounded by salt. Your classic ring of salt. Yep, for an unbroken line. Once the door is shut, the house is sealed. And you can't go back through that door. And he makes it, Solomon makes it very clear that if you go through this door, horrible things will happen. Um, and he said that we're basically sealing off the house and leaving this plane of existence, mm-hmm. is what he tells her. And I think as a viewer, you're already like, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, this dude's just a charlatan. You know, he's taking her money and he's going to exploit her. And, and he's going to do all these things. But as he starts prepping her for what she's going to need to do mentally and physically, he's got books and books and books of mm-hmm. handwritten notes that he has meticulously scribed to do this ritual. And he reminds her that every single action has a reaction. And then if you don't do it exactly perfect, this
0: will not work. Mm-hmm. So he's already setting her up for failure, actually. And we learn, too, what he's done it three times, I think he says. Right. Twice it's failed, one time it's worked. Right. And he doesn't give you a lot of information on what he got from yeah. the first one. Mm-hmm.
1: You
2: know? <laughs> or what happened with the other two other than they just failed.
1: And it's probably a good time to mention that how this movie represents... It's a great representation of ritual or, or ceremonial magic. Yes,
0: it's something I wanted to talk about
1: a little bit. Yeah. Um,
0: well, this is a real, I think that's
2: a really good segue that we can start talking sure. about what the rituals are. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's go into it. Um, so one of the opening things that he talks about, and I don't know much about this at all. Like, I know this is probably big in the spiritual world, in mm-hmm. the realm of like magic with a K and occultism. Um, but there are these different planes of existence that have been drawn out on the floor. Right. And that you're going to break through all of these planes at some point... Through the ritual, but Mm
0: -hmm. it might involve you
2: sitting in this one circle
0: for days. Yeah, a lot of it is magic squares where you kind of like make a spot and there's a certain like phrase or word that you've created on it to represent something. Yeah. And then by like meditating and
1: focusing there, you're like channeling through that. It's a very Kabbalistic diagram Mm -hmm. on the floor that she's sitting in.
2: I I think this movie really appealed to me too because I don't know a whole lot about that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm super into horror and. But I grew up very Judeo-Christian, so this is very, oh, this is taboo for the way I grew up. You know, <laughs> yeah, like this yeah. is not something you touch. Right, right. Um, and and this film kind of hints on that, too, that this is something mm-hmm. that's very dark, and we're getting ready to do something horribly dark. <laughs> but this
1: stuff comes from the real grimoires right. from, the, from the Renaissance age, like 1400s, 1500s. And your grimoires were the magical books that told you how to do, perform these rituals, and they were insanely complex. Right, and they would give any number of reasons why things wouldn't work. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And <laughs> the ritual they perform is actually really from a book out there. That yeah, the get. book
1: of a uh, Bramlin, isn't it? I think it's a Bramlin. A Bramlin is one hundred percent sure on that.
0: But the thing they're doing is called the Bramlin Operation.
1: You witches and warlocks, feel free to write in and correct us on our <laughs> pronunciations.
0: <laughs> um, but the book of Abramlin, its the story of an Egyptian mage named of Ramlin who taught a system of magic to Abraham of Worms who was a Jew that lived there um presumed to have lived like 1362 to 1458 okay and it was this system of magic that became popular later in time as the book was translated uh first by uh Samuel Little McGregor Mathers what a name Yeah, cool cool name. I know what I'm naming my chat. Definitely (laughs) Warlock. Um, And it got co-opted by the Order of the Golden Dawn, and then later... Like everything else did. Yeah, of course, they grabbed anything they could. And then, of course, Aleister Crowley co-opted it for Thelema when he developed that. See, all of this is completely foreign to me, and I fucking love it. All right, well, let me walk you through this just a little bit, and we'll dive back into the movie. So it was an elaborate ritual that's purpose was to obtain knowledge and conversation with the caster's guardian angel. It had elaborate preparations, was very difficult, and long to perform. Uh, The original German translations of it suggested it would be an 18-month process before any divine contact was made. Uh, Later translations suggested it could go as early as six months, but could take longer. Um, During this period of doing the magical work, the magician has to pray before sunrise and again at sunset. And during all the preparations, there's various restrictions. Which we see some of these in the movies. Uh, Chastity must be observed. You have to eschew any alcoholic beverages. I'm out. (laughs) And and you must conduct all your business and activities in fairness. Trying to be absolutely fair to everyone that you interact with. And then after you complete that preparatory phase, you begin through this ritual that will eventually lead to you contacting your guardian angel. Which they told us that he asks her right before they start everything, have you been, have you
2: abstained from alcohol? Mm -hmm. Have you abstained from sex? Have you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, going through exactly what you just said? These are the things. And she's like, yes, I know what I'm, I know what I was supposed to do. And I did all these things.
0: And as someone that's always been interested in like reading and learning about this stuff, their uh, devotion to like the accuracy of representing this in film, it really
1: impressed me. Oh, the director definitely did his research. Yeah.
0: So, as it goes, once you start to accomplish a lot of this ritual, you eventually have to evoke the twelve kings and duke of of hell and bind them. That seems dangerous. And thereby, you gain command of them, and of your own mental universe, and can remove any of the negative influence that they exhibit on your life. Okay. Um, I'm slightly confused now, but okay. And (laughs) then the goal in performing that is that, uh... Same as you would see in a lot of grimoires, you get promised different abilities, the... Uh, ability to find buried treasure, to cast love charms, flight, invisibility—all your
1: right, you know, magical BS that you usually told. Right, and these rituals also often invoked God and angels mm-hmm. uh, to protect them from the demons and the dark forces like that. So even though it's it's definitely black magic, it was very Christian in its way.
2: Well, look mm. at the time frame. I mean, like everything is Christian in that time right now. You mm-hmm. know, like, and if you're not. <laughs> Right, I mean, back, and even yeah, Christianity
0: so. has its like magical leans with stuff like Kabbalah and Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, I think Kabbalah is Jewish, right? Mm-hmm. So we got it. Yeah. Christians don't claim Delinite, the Jews. Yeah. That Christians don't claim glad. the juice. <laughs> <So laughs> we got to change that one. Um, a last thing to kind of note about this that I thought was interesting: magical squares feature prominently in the instructions of the operation, as does a recipe for creating an anointing oil, which is based out of a uh, passage from Exodus. And this is still used today by some ceremonial magicians, and it's called a bramlin oil. Huh. There's other tools that you need for the ritual, such as a holy lamp, a wand made of an almond branch, and a recipe for a special kind of incense to burn, different robes that you have to wear, and a square or seven-sided plate of silver or beeswax. God, this is fascinating. And we, spell
1: components for D&D spells? Or yeah, it kind of sounds like it. <laughs> okay.
2: But you see a lot of these little elements in the movie. Yeah, like- and that that changes now the way I'm seeing certain things. Like It's almost the movie lays it out for you like, well, you should know this. But, <laughs> Obviously. Right. But it also tells you – the movie also gives you confidence that he knows this, mm-hmm. yes. that Joseph Solomon knows this. So we as a viewer don't have to – worry about it we believe him the same way that Sophia believes him
1: right and even oram's character's name solomon is a reference to the clavicle or key of solomon right which is one yes. of the most famous grimoires attributed to, to king solomon yep but it's probably written in the 14th or 15th centuries i think
2: i think so yeah so we have this background of what they're going to do and as we start going through it, he's he's in the ceremonial robes. Um, one of my favorite things is that he has to apparently be shaved. Yes, um, for the entire thing to work, and <laughs> and he can't get to his back. So there's some really great awkward scenes of Sophia shaving his back.
1: I love that he keeps his facial hair, though.
2: I wondered about that. <laughs> well, I mean, but it makes sense though, because in the Judeo-Christian world, beards aren't considered so much hair; they're more of like you just have them. You know, like it's part of your status symbol or part of your religion. I, you I didn't that. consider that angle, but that's a good point. That, uh, uh. Or I think in uh, Eastern Orthodox,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, beards are crucial. Right. You're, like, you're
1: basically not a man until you have a beard, right? Right.
2: I mean, there's two of us sitting here, and we have I have beards. a beard. <laughs> and, you you uh, have a beard, I Michael. have a beard. Um, Dustin, Dustin doesn't uh, have a beard. <laughs> Mr. Clean Shaven over here. Well, I guess we know who's uh, not leading the ritual. <laughs> and I'm not shaving any of your bats, just so you know. Nice. But as these things start to progress, um, we start to see the physical torture that she's going to go through. As She's sitting in one of these squares. Um, she's, he's just dumping... Looks like freezing water on her. Mm-hmm. Right, she can't sleep. Right, she's not constantly being awakened. But that's already start to plant the idea in our minds as the viewer that um, this might not be real. What mm-hmm. she's see- what she is experiencing and what she might be feeling is probably just due to like tor- sleep deprivation. Yeah, and-
0: these all look like torture things. Yeah, so yeah. That you it would it do is to torture, someone. Right,
1: it's sacrifice. And not- keeps- nothing for nothing. I mean, that's one of the rules of magic, right?
0: Definitely. And he keeps telling her to like. You'll see signs eventually, but she, as they go, she just keeps saying, "You know, where are the signs? I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. Right? What's going on?" And it's, but she does hear a dog bark, mm-hmm. um, th-
2: almost from the very beginning. And Solomon a,
1: says that is a sign.
2: Yeah, he says that that sign that is a sign because they're supposed to be in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to see, you're, like, there
1: are no dogs. But during her hike earlier, she finds a dead dog. She does that and has a collar and everything. Yeah,
0: so. mm-hmm. it's very. That's a creepy shot, too. It that's is. a really creepy um, makeup effect. Yeah. But you can feel her doubt, I think, in that moment. Right. Because the way he says it is like, it started. Right. It started. That's a sign. And she's like, no, that's bullshit. It's, it's a, dog a dog barking. Dog barking. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but in
0: this type of magic, everything is a sign. Right. And that's a lot to do with the general idea of any kind of magic, really. There's this idea of, like, magical thinking, which is something I wanted to talk about really quick. Uh that's generally the belief that in unrelated events, they're somehow casually connected, despite the absence of any sort of plausible link that would make it be so.
1: Oh, QAnon. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> so- <laughs> Let's not go there, but oh, um,
0: we see this in like things we can quantify, like the placebo effect. The idea mm-hmm. that I could just give you a pill and, pill and say, "Like, hey, this is going to make you feel better. And it does, and you believe it to be so, even though it's just like a salt tablet or something. Right. And, and the so- same could easily be said through most modern religions as mm-hmm.
2: well today, that if something good happens, well, God's ordained it. Right. Or if something bad has happened, well, it just wasn't in his plans. Well, humans love to see patterns. Right. You know, it's we, in our, it's actually in our nature.
0: Yeah. Like right. it's to in, look in our, them. it's, it's in our nature to do it. We can't stop it. Right. And so for a lot of a cult, I think the underlying part to it is this idea of magical thinking that what you do and the processes, and especially something like this where it's ritual magic and it's very highly, you know, process and stylized, the act of doing that is kind of like forcing your brain to work in that pattern. Mm. And if you ascribe to that, there's any sort of strength in that, that you could like enforce your will upon the world. That's kind of the engine that fuels that. Right.
2: One thing I forgot to mention is the right before everything starts, um, Solomon's cutting up mushrooms. Mm -hmm. um, Oh yeah. As they start. And, uh, and he gives her one and she's like, that's a toadstool. And he's like, you fucking eat it or we're done. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, is it going to make me sick? And he's like, oh, yeah. And she's like, is it going to be bad? Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You got to purify yourself. Right.
2: And he's he said she's purified herself spiritually, so now she needs to do it physically. And yeah. she's just puking her guts out, like <laughs> shitting her brains out. I mean, it's a wonder she didn't die from yeah. this mushroom. But already when I saw it for the first time, it made me think that this whole thing
1: could be a trip. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That everything we're about to see might not be true. And that's one way to explain the whole magical experience that people right. have. Right. Is it hallucinogens? Is it lack of sleep? You know? Sometimes
2: <laughs> it almost feels like the film itself, like the camera is another character in this movie. And everything that the camera is doing for us is almost trying to prove to us that this isn't real. I can you know? See that. Yeah. Like. Because it's giving us all of these, and the story is giving us all of these cues so that we are the viewer. We are the camera. Mm-hmm. And everything that we are seeing is we're trying our best to point to the bullshit in the room.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And with the, I think by giving us that scene with the mushrooms, we're like, ah, oh, yeah, she's just tripping balls. <laughs> right. You know, like all this, that's our way
0: out. That's our way to stop. And I think too, right out of the gate, as soon as they start, he is so cruel to her with like how he treats her, how oh, he yeah. shouts at her. And so it really wants to kind of push this angle that he is like a charlatan that is taking advantage of her. Yeah, insanely misogynistic. Mm-hmm. I think my wife was sitting there. She's like, fuck this guy. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which that to me also made me think of Aleister Crowley because if you buy into his stuff, I guess that's one thing. But on a lot of levels, he was kind of just a con man that's sort of like, you know talked his way up to people and really like abused a lot of
1: people. Narcissistic jerk Mm -hmm. like Solomon. Yeah. (laughs) And
0: I saw that in a lot of the ways that Solomon would like tear her down when he gets weird sexually to her, which is definitely a part we should talk about in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. That's all, like, right from the Book of Crowley and the stuff he's done in the past. Well, and so we can get to that scene. She's already Mm -hmm. gone through
2: a lot of these rituals, Mm -hmm. a lot of the physical torture that she's being put through for this, which, interestingly, Joseph Solomon does not have to do. Right. It's only her who wants to invoke it. Exactly. Solomon is very much just helping torture her. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't have to do these parts. Now, he would claim that what he's doing is extremely important, and without him, this ritual can't take place. Right. And he basically tells her that, like, you don't know the ritual. You can't do this without me.
1: Mm -hmm. That's what good cult leaders do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it is. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And so we finally, he tells her from the beginning that there will have to be ritual sex. And you're kind of waiting for this because they, dro- yeah. they drop it and you're like, okay, well, this is going to come in at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's not at all what we think it's going to be. And it's another level, too, where you wonder about this ritual. Because we're talking about invoking our guardian angel and we're talking about the purity that needs to be there and right. like spiritually and physically. And then you're like, uh, there's also ritual sex, though? That's Yeah,
2: it seems very counterintuitive mm-hmm. to what mm-hmm. they're trying to do. But the ritual sex is not what we think. And I think she was prepared to have sex with Joseph Solomon. If that's if she, what it took. If that's what it took, she was prepared to have sex with him, but that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. It, he ends up basically asking her to put on some makeup, take her clothes off yeah. for him, and he jerks off to right. her. You know, he makes her sit in positions that get him off.
1: Which is probably more humiliating to her than yes. if she actually had to have sex with him. Exactly.
2: Like, yeah, I don't want to assume that, you know, the act of telling someone they have to have sex with you is, you know, those are two hor- still horribly. They both sound very yeah, disagreeable. They're both very yes. horrible and should not be done to another human being. But but in the way, this is just another level of humiliation for her. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that she could get, she. It, you almost feel like she could get through it. Okay, if I have to have sex with this dude to do this, I can do this.
0: But it's more that she didn't have to. Right. It's a very arresting scene to even watch.
2: Yeah, it's really uncomfortable. Um, And he acts
0: like, well, I didn't want to do it. I, I don't want to have to do it. It almost seems like it was unnecessary and he was just
1: fucking with her.
2: Right, right. It really does because she was not really that involved in the ritual sex mm-hmm. other than just being the item that he is jerking off to. He mm-hmm.
1: says something like it was for his own release. Yeah. Which you think he could have done by himself.
2: Well, <laughs> and that that scene right there starts the split between them right, the a, a rift starts to grow yeah. between the two of them and she pisses
1: into the breakfast she, does, yeah. <laughs> she
2: makes all the food and she goes to the bathroom pisses in a cup and then pours it in his food and mm-hmm. she's like I'm not hungry you know <laughs> so already that's, that rift is starting to come between them and she's already starting to not believe it anymore mm-hmm. and I think that's our crucial moment there for the film is that yeah. she's starting to question all of this stuff well they go through the whole
1: ritual nothing happens he says we have to do it again The whole thing all over. Yeah, that's
0: where we get into her intent. He says that something's wrong and it's her fault. Yeah. And she's already been through so much that she gets very angry with him. Right. But then that's when we find out, uh, I don't really want to talk to my son. I want revenge. Yeah, and that's when she reveals to him that how her son has
2: died Mm -hmm. and she wants revenge. And the interesting thing to me was that Solomon was never
0: not okay with that. Mm -hmm. You know, he was like... That's fine. Yeah, he said good or bad doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's the intent of what you want. Yeah. Right. I just need your pure intent. And so they start everything over.
2: Yeah. And they they like she she has to drink Solomon's blood as well because mm-hmm. she refuses to go through the forgiveness phase of the ritual. Right. Mm-hmm. Because she does not want to forgive her son's killers. Right. But I think that that's not who she doesn't want to forgive. And we find that out, I think, in the final
1: scene of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, well, before, I mean, he, he he literally kills her, too, during the ritual. Right. He when, drowns yeah, her. They, have to, they then, have to reset her, right? Yeah. Spiritually. And then he resuscitates her. It and,
2: looks like she's going to be baptized. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the way he's setting it up. Which, that's the same metaphor, right? You're born again through baptism. Right. Exactly. Right. But, you know, when it... And this was always my fear when I was baptized as a kid, <laughs> that they just weren't going to let me out <laughs> <laughs> Well, you are putting a
0: lot of trust in someone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, thankfully... Uh, they let me up, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> or this is all a simulation. And <laughs> just... Anyway. He, uh, he's learning
0: the truth.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I took the red to reset. Pill.
2: <laughs> So, yeah, but he holds her under.
1: Mm-hmm. And she... Drowns. She drowns. Yeah. He resuscitates her. She's super pissed off the next day. Pushes him. Which, you know, I thought of uh, the Constantine film.
0: Cause yeah. Because he does that as well in that yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that was not a good movie. It has moments. It's fun. It's <laughs> fun. But he pushes. She pushes him. He goes into this knife that's on the counter. Goes through his abdomen, and,
0: and he says,
1: "This is this is a this sign. is a sign. This is good. This is a sign. This is a sign.
0: It's working." Yeah, he says, "Your guardian angel is very powerful and very angry." Right.
2: Um, but we know, as a viewer, this is bad. Mm-hmm. This is real bad. Yeah, isn't? they're locked up in a
1: house. By they can't themselves. leave. No real medical. It's not the attention. kind of
0: wound that's treatable. Just and he,
2: with like a med he, kit or something. And he even asked her, was the knife clean? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> was the knife clean or dirty? Um, as if to me, I would have been like, I don't fucking care. It's like through my gut right now. Mm-hmm. But they can't leave. So he gets her to pull the knife out. Um, yeah. They, he kind of they bandages them up. Bandages them. And the ritual continues. Mm hmm. But, as from there, we start to see Joseph Solomon really degrading in health.
0: You can tell this is not going well. though we do get some moments in this section where we start to actually have some signs we There's do. the gold dust that rains down at the one part, mm-hmm. right She has a little toy that's like her keepsake of her son mm-hmm. and it starts to sort of move around the house and show
1: up in different places, yep, which culminates in her actually hearing her son's voice, yes, which the door. is door I
2: think one of the coolest it's very creepy, creepy mm-hmm.
1: things. She
2: and because she hears this knocking, mm-hmm. you know, and this scratching, and she runs down the hallway, and it's just her, you know. Yeah. This is the middle of the night, and she hears her son. Mm-hmm. Plain as day, it's her son, and he says, "I'm your son, and mommy, let me,
1: let me, let me in, let me in. Yes. Open the door, let right. me but wait, in." But she knows better. Important. She knows better. You know, she yes. knows this isn't her son, and she knows not to open the door, not to let him in. And right? She, she says as much. She says, "I know that you're not my son. You're yeah. just using his voice."
2: Right. We also hear a dog growling mm-hmm. now and in this scene and getting closer. Yeah. And the boy's like, mommy, he's in here. It's in here with me. It's a dog in here with me. But all these things when I was watching this for the first time and then watching this again with you guys is it all feels like just straight hallucination. Mm-hmm. Just straight depression, hallucination. Like you're literally lost in a state that you don't know what's real and what's not anymore. Yeah. And that your mind
0: is creating what you want to hear. And you're just following as much as you can. And notably, a lot of the times, like, when she hears her son, Solomon's not around. It's just her that's experiencing this. Right,
2: right. So,
0: basically, she falls asleep in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Because she
2: doesn't... I think she doesn't want to leave because it's a connection to her son. Mm-hmm. You know, even if this isn't him, right, it sounds so like voice, him. Yeah. yeah, it's a connection that she can stay there. Um, but this is where shit really starts to start happening. Yeah. Like, things are starting to go off the rails now. Um Oh, Solomon's shit. deteriorating. Yeah, both, uh, I think, mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. He's starting to, to go down.
0: And this is also where we get a little bit more about him, because she asks what he wants is his favor yeah. in the ritual.
1: Yeah, And he says invisibility. Right. But it's not what you think. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because <laughs> they
2: laugh, you know. Yeah. Um, and he says he just wants to live the rest of his life just to not be
0: seen. Mm-hmm. He and says he's tired of this world that he's been in. With people seeking him out and all the rituals and stuff, and he just wants to just go and be somewhere. He right.
1: Sa- he says to gain some quiet before the howl, mm-hmm. which seems to me like he knows he's damned. Right. Thinks he's damned for all these things he's done, the incantations, who knows what else. Sure. Right, you know.
2: See, this scene really affected me a lot more this time than the second time because when she asks, like, "Why do you do this?" And the thing that really got me is he's like, just a fucking, is he said, just a fucking no. Yeah. To look behind the veil. Yeah, knowledge. Just to know. And
0: that really got
2: me, I think, because I... I actually
0: kind of got cold chills at that part a little bit. Like, it really struck me.
2: Yeah, because I got to thinking to myself, like, of all the questions I have about the universe and, like, why we're here and all that shit, I started to wonder, like, okay, well, if maybe this worked, like, would I do it? Mm -hmm. Just so I can know. That's anyone, like, if you could know for sure, wouldn't you want to? Yeah, and yeah. I think for some people, they're okay to not, mm-hmm. ever. But somebody like me, I would be like, I don't know. I kind of want to know. Yeah. I think it might. But you think, like, okay, that might set my mind at ease. And I can be at peace if I know, but clearly he's not at peace. <laughs> right. No. right. And I think what he looked at on the other side, I take this as when he says invisibility, I took it as they're always he always sees it. You know, like, he's been seen by the other side. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm thinking, like, a quiet before the howl. Mm-hmm.
0: That, and That's that idea, too, that if you gaze into the abyss, it gazes back at you. Right, right.
2: right. Like, this is, he's paid for this. Mm-hmm. And I think from that statement, you can start to see in his character, maybe he really has paid for this. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, but I do think we get something else a little bit later, though, or, like, pretty soon after this.
1: Well, yeah, he, he dies in his sleep.
2: Right. What he and, says right before he dies, though, yeah. got me, hmm? is that he says, I really miss my sister. He's <laughs> crying, Yeah. and he says, I really miss my sister, and I think this is why he got into it. I think something happened to his sister, and I think he's in the exact same place that Sophia was at the beginning.
0: And yeah. maybe that's why he even accepted her once she said the truth, and it was about her dead son. Right. Because it's just the way he's sobbing. He's no longer the asshole no he's just a, man,
2: a dying he's, man yeah just a dying man and when he says i just really miss my sister that really got me that it made me think maybe he is maybe he was sophia might become him mm-hmm. you know that once she goes through this he was seeking it for the same reasons mm-hmm. and maybe what he saw the time that it did work told him that there was no way she was ever going to see him you know, like... Yeah. Interesting interpretation. Uh, yeah. Probably, I Probably. Like I read a lot into this movie, man. This it's, movie, it's there if you want to go. Sure. Yeah, this or maybe movie, she just
1: moved to France and he hasn't seen her in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he's just an asshole and she's like, <laughs> I can't be around you anymore. We'll
2: never know because he dies. But right after this, right after he says this, though, you know, the scene changes and
1: he's dead. Mm. She goes to wake him up and he's he's gone. And then, this is something I had a question about. She... she she finds out that he's dead, and he goes, she goes to his books and his notes, and everything's been crossed out and yeah. scribbled out. Now, my question is, because it doesn't really say so, is this something that Solomon did before he died? Or was this something like the demons may have done? I don't know. That's that a really have, that good question.
0: Here's her? another thought. Hmm? Was it always like that? <laughs> was it always like that? Yeah. Right, yeah. I
2: think that's what we're supposed to think as a viewer, though. Mm-hmm. I think we're set up to think, because she's panicking now, because she knows she can't leave the house because he says you're stuck in this time forever and like he said she doesn't know how to continue it so she's panicking because her guide is now dead what is she supposed to do Mm -hmm. and so the books are scratched out she can't do anything
1: there nope so she tries to leave the house she does and but the car won't start right classic horror movie fashion yeah it should be Which I found this funny, though,
2: because literally, right before we watched it, one of our gaming friends was like, man, I'm so quarantined, I tried to start my car the other day, and I haven't started it in a year, and just the battery was gone. <laughs> right, yeah. And I was like, well,
1: that's pretty relatable right now. And they have been there for months, so yeah, the battery just died. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. not
0: working anymore. But notably, she was never supposed to cross that line until they completed the ritual. Oh, yeah. And so she walks. Tries to hoof it. Yeah, and she walks and walks and walks,
2: and then she sees the house again. Yep. Because she's... No matter where she goes, she's, yeah, she's come, stuck there. She's All stuck in the this neck. time. So she goes back in the house. She doesn't have anything else she can do. Mm-hmm. So she goes back in the house, and she sees a big pile of vomit on the floor. And she's like, well, this wasn't here before. <laughs> this is not my vomit. <laughs> um, and then she sees Solomon laying in the hallway. And she's like, fuck, he was dead, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he was dead, maybe. It looks like it. And then this
0: is where shit... I think it's just a, such a super creepy and effective moment. So up to this point, it's been a very slow burn film where it's kind of just the slow process of the ritual and everything that's going on. But I think to the credit of all these kind of like arthousey y horror films. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's a sign. It's oh, a whoa. sign. Did you hear that? It's a sign. <laughs> it's working.
0: When you get to the final act, they always just like crank up to 11 and just start to go. Right, right. Yeah, it's the same way in
2: Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Hereditary is a buildup and then just, yeah, boom. Uh, but we see this hand just come out of the hallway and drag him away, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, "The fuck!" Yeah,
0: it's a very effective shot.
2: Yeah, and and you
1: realize, "Oh shit!" Like- and all these various demons and tortured souls start appearing and coming out and grabbing at her and they cut her finger off at one point yeah Mm -hmm. a
2: strange makeup choice on that i really i looked for more information to try to see where this might have come from
0: i if i'm honest i didn't like their look at all yeah and you you had said that when we watched it It didn't bother me it seemed like the bargain bin like sci-fi channel feature zombie movie or something i think that was intentional Mm. It was kind of Mad max
2: too, in yeah. some of them. Like, there was some latex face covering and stuff like that. It was
1: strange. It didn't bother me. It didn't take me out of the movie, personally.
2: Right. It didn't me, but it. I I wish I knew more. Mm-hmm. Like, if for some reason, any reason, Liam Gavin ever decided to listen to this podcast. <laughs> and I could <laughs> Mr. ask Gavin, you... Gavin, please write us. And I
0: could ask you, like,
2: where did the, the idea from this come from?
0: Yeah, you know, I searched around and tried to see if I could dug up any, like... Behind the scenes or production stuff, but I couldn't really find anything. There's a well, few things about it, but and we can talk about those, you know, briefly here in a minute. Well, it,
1: it's better than the Sentinel. I've either of you ever seen the Sentinel? No, free not I don't well, think so. quickly, it's just about this woman who has to guard like this gateway to hell, and at one point, all these demons and, and damned souls start coming out and harassing her. And they had hired, like, people with actual disabilities and Ooh. things like that. Yikes. It's extremely... I mean, it was the 70s, and, but it's extremely exploitative. and Yeah, oh. probably
0: not cool on that. I mean, at least they didn't go that route. <laughs> I mean, these guys, they're not, like, zombie lake, like, green face paint or anything, but... They almost uh,
2: look aboriginal to me. Did you get... I don't know. Did anybody get else get the, that?
1: I didn't get that. Not they
0: almost really. looked, like, aboriginal
2: or native, like, some, like... I think that's just your perspective. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not I'm, because I'm not sure that's coming. From. I, and it wasn't because of like, you know, race or anything like <laughs> but that. I, I don't know. For
0: so much of the rest of the movie, they make the low budget work really well. And when there are these special effect moments, they're very subdued, but very effective. But when this one happened, it kind of like pumped the brakes for me. And I was like, eh.
2: yeah. So she descends into hell. Basically mm-hmm. the basement is hell. And that is where all these demons are. And they sever her finger. But, I, I always found this weird, but she like somehow manages just to push away from him after they've done that. I think she just summons the will to like resist
1: them. Right, right. kind of how I took it. Like the same when she resisted her in quotation marks son. Right, whatever spirit was
0: speaking to her, talking about demons. That's kind of the thing. It's like oh, your yeah. willpower versus theirs. Sure,
1: and they'll try to trick you, and they'll mm. you know.
0: And so she pushes her way up the stairs, and she sees a, a really blinding light coming out of a room. Oh, you know, and notably, while she's down there too, those demons are torturing Solomon.
1: Yes, yeah. yes, that's right, yeah, uh, but
2: he's still dead, right, mm-hmm. yeah, just they're mutilating his body, yep. kind of a thing,
1: and that could be like a um representation of what's happening to his soul right now, right. sure,
2: sure, <laughs> um, but yeah, then she pushes her way up to the light, mm-hmm. essentially, and she opens this door, and this is where you got this is where it
0: <laughs> for you, you were like, oh no, like hard, they made a choice, and it's not a choice I don't know how well, I what, feel about it. What choice did they make? What again,
2: happens? for some reason, if anybody knows why, please <laughs> tell me. They chose to do an almost
0: Michelangelo style angel. Well, we should just set up the scene, right? She comes through this door, and she's back in the main central room of the house, right. the primary ritual site. And where it should be stands her guardian angel. Sure. And it's this giant size, crouching version of like a Roman centurion with the wings yeah, yeah rolled
1: like out three times the size of a normal human something mm-hmm. like that and
0: gold is raining down right yep yes like at the time and
2: that's kind of mentioned a lot in um, as one of the signs yeah that gold will be rained on you and that that's also gets into some very paganistic stuff too like mm-hmm. with Pliny the Lesser and all that stuff about yeah. gold raining down but
0: they choose to do this weird thing where like the angel just barely speaks well, he, like, mouths and we can't hear it, but I think it's implied that she can hear.
1: And then right. It's, and it's also, like, it's you're not supposed to hear it. Right. It's it's, how, the way I take it. And it's, like, it's almost so loud and it can't be contained.
2: But also, we didn't do the ritual. This is for her. Sure. You know? So, I mean, she basically says, what I ask is for the power to forgive. And... You thought she'd ask for vengeance, but mm-hmm. she's asked for the power to forgive. Right,
1: mm-hmm. and the angel smiles at this. Yeah, it's kind of a creepy smile, though. You know, like it's, it's very—it's <laughs> kind of a knowing, but also I, I took it. Not, I didn't get a creepy vibe from it personally. Uh, yeah, I, took I thought it was like of approval. Yeah, like he, this was what he hoped would happen. Right, and it, and this is a very Christian thing too. I mean, the power of forgiveness—that's that is like the basic Christian right. tenet. You know. So
2: after she asks for this, basically that. She leaves the house, right everything's normal, yeah, she's just in the house, and she leaves the car starts mm-hmm. and she drives away, and she's just crying, mm-hmm. you know, on but the way,
0: it's almost like a happy cry, in a yeah, way.
2: but she is missing the finger, mm-hmm. so it it's really not happens. It's not like that was a hallucination, but what I really felt, and this is alluding to what I said earlier, that it was never about forgiving the killers, but it was about forgiving herself.
1: Do you I think that was that. her, do you think that was her intent from the beginning or was it her ordeal that made her realize I, think it was I her, need to forgive? I
2: think it was her ordeal because I think that we get so caught up sometimes in punishment mm-hmm. of what someone else has done, but that wasn't what she was so destroyed about. She was destroyed because she was supposed to protect her son right? Mm-hmm. and she couldn't and she didn't. And like, didn't he, didn't the uh, demon boy even say like you were supposed to pick me up?
0: Right. And it makes it sound like maybe she was late. The implication yeah. to me was like that she turned her back to do something and then when she turned back around the kid was gone. Right. But ultimately the one that
2: she needed to forgive the most so that she could survive and carry on with life was that she needed to figure out how to forgive herself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my wife and I had this discussion on the way home from watching the movie is that you know when we're discussing like the reality of it for her and I think the point is that it doesn't matter if it was real. But mm-hmm. her experience got what she needed. Right. Do you think it's
1: real? Is it real enough for you?
2: Right, right. And I got the feeling that if this didn't work, she was done. She was probably going to kill herself.
0: And that is a lot of stuff to the occult in a way because really it's more about like what you pull from it, I think. Sure. Than actually like influencing the world. You're not going to go out and sling a fireball. Right. But you know, maybe from doing something, if it changes your mentality or gives you a sense of peace... Did it work? Maybe it did. Right. It's,
1: it's your will affecting change. Mm-hmm. That's right. the
2: whole point. And that goes to the thing that I've said all the time about religion of any sort. If it makes you a better person, do it. Sure. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. Know. I can get behind that. As long as you're not hurting anybody else. Right. Yeah. Like, if it makes if it you work, a better if it works person. works for
1: you and doesn't hurt anyone, awesome. Yeah. yeah.
2: So that's kind of my whole philosophy with that that I've always said, and I think this really pushed that. -hmm. Now the only downside is that Solomon's dead, um, (laughs) because before she takes off in the car, she's actually wrapped him up Mm -hmm. and uh, sinks him in a in In the lake in the lake, (laughs) yeah, behind it. So (laughs) you're like, okay, well,
1: that's also a pretty paganistic ritual in and of itself. Like she didn't bury him or burn him; you know, she Mm -hmm. puts him in the water and sets him off.
2: Right, and then, but I also thought too, you know, it's not her fault that Solomon died. No, she might take that on herself. Because she pushed him, he went in the knife or whatever. But he was equally involved in this ritual as well. Sure, he knew that this could turn very badly.
1: But I was I was so relieved at when she says, "I want the power to forgive." Because the whole time I'm watching this movie, especially with her son's voice appearing and things like that, I was. Have you guys ever seen the O T V TV horror movie Dead of Night? From 1977
0: i've heard of it but i've never seen
1: it uh, directed by dan curtis has three short stories uh, a couple of them are written by richard matheson cool one of my favorite awesome. writers yeah but his segment uh bobby is about this woman who resorts to black magic to revive her drowned son oh interesting and he comes back but it's not really him sure and kind i was a- afraid watching this movie that's where they were going Mm, and I would, have, I would have been so thing. disappointed if that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: that would have really that would have killed it. Yeah. That would have been a super downer. Uh,
1: but the fact that yeah she she's asked for forgiveness it's so it's it's neat. It's cool. It's so like matri- magically ritual and Christian and it's 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 unique. Yeah, it's, I, I was not expecting that And anything.
2: I think the beautiful thing is that they don't linger. The movie's just over now. Right. right. Like they don't linger anymore on
0: how she goes on with her life. We right. don't know anything. You could have got like a montage of her doing stuff, but you don't want to see that. Yeah, really. no,
2: we don't. And we don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. This, this, that's it. No. You know, we've, we've reached the end of her journey now. So.
0: So um, let me talk about that angel scene. Yeah. Real okay. Ways. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe it was just cause I was still reeling from the demons and being like, mm, I don't know when she comes through that door. And then it is just the Michelangelo painting kind of thing. I was just kind of like, you know, that's it. Sure. You have all this stuff about the occult and magic and everything that's going on, and you could have done anything to depict an angel. And, you know, even in the Bible, there's these crazy depictions of them where they're just, like, you know, floating <laughs> wheels with eyes in them and yeah. wings everywhere. foreheads, four heads right.
1: and four feather wings and things like that. Yeah.
0: And then it just seemed like, oh, you did the blandest way you could depict one.
1: Well, I think they really just wanted to get across to the audience that this is actually an angel, you know, it's your typical stereotypical angel representation and i think that's why they went with it so you wouldn't question it you wouldn't think oh that's actually a demon well now let me answer
0: my own criticism and i think Mm -hmm. you mentioned this michael right after we watched it but maybe it is that way because that is her interpretation of what an angel should look like yeah that's a good point Mm -hmm. that's what i felt that
2: and i didn't pick that up the first time Mm -hmm. you see what you expect i got that the second time i think that we always wonder, like, you know, we, we're we looking for the patterns. Mm-hmm. And that's, what, that's the pattern that she found. You know, that was what she knew as what an angel would look like. Right. Right. And for her, what the demon looked like was her son, in a way, that wasn't her son. You know, like, that was the voice of the demon. Right.
1: That's the best way for a demon to torment her.
2: Right, know? right. So I think everything was kind of catered to her. You know that's how the demon chose to reveal itself to her, and that's how her angel chose to reveal itself to her. Hmm. But these are all interpretations, yeah. you know, of the film. I think this is, I think this movie is very open to everyone's interpretation. Sure. Um, for me, I thought this movie was quite powerful in a sense of what, I, like the first time I watched it, I was going through some rough shit, and I found what I needed in the film. That's awesome. Mm. And so I think that this kind of brings us to a brief conversation or brief topic of sometimes what film can do for us, Mm. you know, that we forget that it's art Mm. and that we always talk about what, what can a song make you feel? You know, people can really relate to that. Or if you look at a painting, what does that make you feel? But we forget sometimes that film is that way too. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: good movies should make an impression, right? Affect you in some way. And
2: a lot of the shit that we deal with and a lot of shit that we watch is usually like, okay, well, I don't know. It's if that's... disposable. It's disposable <laughs> yeah. entertainment. What did Jason Voorhees make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't always get that. And we don't always, even though that is art, that is very much someone's art. Sure. You it's... can appreciate the special effects. Right. You know? right. But this is one of those things that's really heavily designed to make you message. feel something. It means something. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, you know, that was kind of one of my reasons for picking this film is that some of my favorite genre films are ones that really make me feel something. Mm-hmm. Ones That's that, why I love this subtype of cinema. Yeah. Like I what did I call it in the intro episode like emotional horror? Yeah, <laughs> emotional trauma. Yeah, emotional trauma. Um but even though this movie is a little traumatizing to some things because it triggered me on some I shouldn't say they were triggered, but it hit me on some levels that I'm insecure with. Mm-hmm. I still felt really good after it. You yeah. know, I felt like mm-hmm. I got a good answer for myself. <laughs> right? So with that being said, um, what did you guys think of the film?
1: Um, like, as you said, I, I told you about it initially, and I I liked it a lot. I was very impressed the first time I saw it. And the second watch through, I was able to look at more details cause right. I knew what was happening. And it held up. Yeah. It held up. Um, I did read, and I'm so glad they didn't do this. But I read that the original cut of this was two hours and twenty minutes. Woo. that would have been too much. Yeah, this is lean though. Like as a film, what's the runtime? It's like one forty something like that. Okay, yeah. But it's... I, I I can't imagine if there was an extra hour on there. Oh, I'm so glad you would
2: feel cut like that. you're going through the ritual
1: too. And yeah, is this right. part I, of the torture? I, I, I don't know what was cut. It would be amazing to see what was cut. But I think it was a very smart move sure. to cut that part out. I think
0: th- it's exactly where it needs to be. Right. Even as it is, there were a few points where I was like. Is this a little too long? I don't know, but it's okay in the end. Yeah, you probably could have cut off ten minutes. But if
1: they had gone further, I think it would really hit you at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, having said that, and I think that's also a testament to the director's, you know, vision and, and skill. Sure. That he knows to cut this. You know, what's the saying? Kill your darlings. You know, even mm-hmm. if you love the scene, if it doesn't work, you've got to get rid of it. Right. Right. Um, and if you don't, it shows. Right. Right. Um, and for being a first feature, I think it's it's amazing. I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah, he, he direct, didn't he direct some episodes of Blind Manor, haunting a blind on Yes, Netflix? yes, he did. Yes, yeah. still need to get to that. That's good. Um, but so, I, I would giving it a rating. I would probably give it. I'd give it four stars. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. the
2: ne- The never five star man.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think four stars is good. Okay, that's fair.
0: Cool, Dustin. I had one question for you guys. Um, thinking about this film and the rituals and stuff, effectively she fails the ritual, right? You would think so, yeah, cause because she broke the her seal. Her intent is never clear until that final moment. She lies every single time. She breaks the circle. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts about that. It was something I kind of got hung up on a little bit as I was thinking about it afterwards. I
2: almost... You know, if I think about it right now, I almost wonder if... The ritual worked because there was a sacrifice made. Mm-hmm. Like if the sacrifice superseded the ritual itself, and that sacrifice was Solomon. Yeah. Or,
1: mm-hmm. or if her suffering and her willpower was strong enough. Right. It, om- it But happen.
2: that could almost make you wonder if one's own willpower is strong enough, do you need to do the ritual? Right.
0: The ritual is just a process maybe to enact that will.
2: Right. But if you... if it's she the were, will made
1: manifest. Mm-hmm.
2: If she finally got to the right mindset and the right place that mm-hmm. she could
0: find what she needed, then she got it. Okay. Yeah. It's an interesting question. Yeah, huh? I had that thought. So as far as how I feel, I had a lot of problems effect-wise. You know, those demons, the angel, I'm still hung up on that. I get the idea that it could just be her interpretation, and that's right. cool. I can I can jive with that. Uh, I think that's just my ploy to try to get you to like it. <laughs> oh, no, no. I think that's a very good idea because if you go with this idea of magical thinking, that sinks right up to it. Right. Um, Some of the backstory for me was a little weak. Like... This idea that like her kid was abducted and sacrificed in an occult ritual, it left me with a weird feeling because it's like, out of the gate, she's into magic. She meets Solomon. He's way into magic. Her kid died. How'd her kid die? Oh, it was kids playing with magic. It's like, is this like the Harry Potter universe or something? Right, like right. Every, Everything is magic and it's just accepted and true and real. And for that point, I just kept going back to that and I was like, I... I don't know. Couldn't it have just been, like, her kid got hit by a car? And yeah, it was that that still... would be your
1: typical expected reason. He's but the such fact... a muggle. He's such a muggle. <laughs> <laughs> such a muggle. And, and the fact that it was magic, and like I said before, that stuck in my crawl. I was like, okay, was she already into this? Was this yeah. people she yeah. knew? That you know? being
0: said... If I had rated this maybe right off of watching it while I was still kind of pissed off about that, it probably would have been lower. <laughs> I was so worried because I looked at your face and I was like, yeah. oh, no, he hated it. <laughs> but as I've sat with this and I've really thought about it more and more, and I love that theming of like going through this ritual and what you get out of it and, you know, manifesting your will upon the world. And what you've said that in the end, it's really ultimately just about, you know, forgiveness and finding that power to like forgive yourself for your failings. Yeah. And coming to terms with that. So really, even though I have these hang-ups, I don't think they're anything that can like, weigh down the movie in a way that like harms it. Mm-hmm. So I would probably go four stars on it. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've really like turned nice. the corner on it. Whoa, I wasn't yeah. expecting well, that. What was
1: your initial reaction, you think? How many stars would you have given it right after watching it? Right off the
0: top, probably like two and a half. Wow. But wow. really, I've kept going back and thinking about this again and again, especially as I researched and was like digging up stuff about the ritual itself and i I guess I respect the level of detail and quality they put into presenting it, sure mm-hmm. and there's
2: so many things that i I would love to still talk about this movie, like we can't because we're
0: time we're already way over time anyway, but I would love to still talk about this, right. but there's so much like just even if you don't love it quite as much as any of us have like there's enough here you can talk about it and really think. And have a and conversation. It, and it's
1: a low budget movie with basically two people. Yeah. And that's what can be done with it's, good writing. It's beautiful and good when yeah, when good time, stories
0: are told. Yeah. But I'm sold man. like whatever he does next, it's a ticket from me yeah, automatically. Awesome. Well obviously I'm five. I'm Great. straight wow. five on this one. Wow. This movie has sat with me for two years
2: and I think about it and I talk about it all the time. That's true. Anyone who will I mean, you guys know, because I feel like almost every fucking time we sit down to watch a movie, I'm like, <laughs> did you guys ever watch Dark Song yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you watch Dark Song? Oh, my Dark Song just makes me feel you so gotta much. You watch Dark Song. And, and I could tell that you're like, just fucking show it for the film <laughs> club then, man. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is always a five for me. Awesome. Just um, movies that impact me like that are always going to stick with me. So, I know there's a blue out there. If someone wants to stream this, is it streaming anywhere? Or It used to be on Netflix, but it's not anymore. We oh. had to rent this through Amazon, I yeah, believe. we rented it on Amazon, yes. It was a few bucks, though, right? Not too bad. Yeah, it was like yeah. three or four bucks. definitely worth it. Worth it, totally. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'd pay for this one. Oh, wow. And I did. I Venmo'd your wife the cash before <laughs> you rented it, so I paid for this one. Thank you very much. <laughs> well done. Okay, so... If you guys watch this movie and you love it or hate it and you want to discuss more about it, there's a lot of fun little things about um, behind-the-scenes stuff that we just really didn't get a chance to get into in this because we got so wrapped up in yeah. talking about the emotional and spiritual side of this film. I had to rant about the occult. It's it's good. But I totally <laughs> dug it. I was I'm all in. So if you guys like this or you want to talk about this some more, join us on any of your favorite social platforms, whether it's – if you just want to go the old school way and email us, shoot, one of us will write you back. All three of us will write you back. You'll get tired of us. Yeah.
0: GenreExposure <laughs> at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Hit us up. Let's talk about this movie. Let's just – Continue to engage in film. And, and if just... you know
1: any other cool occult films like this, let us know. Oh, please. yeah,
0: please. If we eventually get some requests coming in, I want to make a cycle where in this rotation of our picks, we start to filter in picks from like fans and stuff. Yeah, that'd be yeah. fun. I like that. Absolutely. So what do we got on the docket next time?
1: Oh, it's my pick, isn't it? Yes, it's... it is. Oh, right, right. Let's see. Hmm. What should it be? What should it be? I think we haven't done found footage yet. Love found footage. We not. So we're going to watch a little movie called The Poughkeepsie Tapes. See, I pronounced it wrong the first time. It's like the Pooch Keepsy. (laughs) The Pooch Keepsy. That's a different movie. There's a lot of
0: interesting stuff we can talk about this one. I've not seen it, but it's got a bit of an urban legend kind of quality to it. Yeah,
1: I think, uh, I hope maybe you'll enjoy it. We'll see. We'll find out.
0: All right, we'll check it out. Until next time, thank you guys so much
2: for joining us as always, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Take care.